Hey, everybody, welcome to Be Significant. Uh, Beth Cook and I are here back again, and we're excited for another great episode. Man, we've had great guests, and and uh, we're excited to, to bring you Kat Margulis here in a little bit. But Beth, what's what's happening in your world today? Well, I mean, it's morning here, so not a whole bunch has happened this morning. Um, got up and was efficient. I started working out. But one of the things I like to do when I work out is either read a book audiobook because otherwise I'd fall right off the treadmill or uh, listen to a podcast. And and Matt, I'm going to switch one of our rapid fire questions to you to kick off our banter um, this episode. So is there a significant podcast or book or article that you're in progress of reading or listening to that you're just like, wow, this is something that our readers should take a, take a listen to? I'm, I'm, I'm reading, I, I read like two, three books at a time and I kind of bounce back and forth kind of to whatever my mood is. Um, and I'm trying to think of the title. I'll find it here in a second, but um, it's sitting next to my bed. And I, I know that the monk is in it. My sister got it for me. Um, how to be a monk or something like that. Um, but what's, but yeah, that's it. How to be a monk by Jay Shetty. Mm. I just, I, I, it has blown me away. The reason I'm reading multiple books is because Jay's book, every time I read a page, it's so impactful, so significant that it literally, the next 24 hours, it's all I can think about is that topic I just read on the page. And what I love about Jay's writing is he was, he was raised in India, moved to London, you know, and, and got into corporate America. And was going to do really well. I mean, he went to big time schools and was going to go make hundreds of thousands of dollars in corporate America. And he had kind of an existential crisis where he knew that wasn't what he was supposed to do. So he went and became a monk in, in Tibet or Nepal. And what's great about the story is now he, he did that for three or four years. The monks basically said, you don't belong here. There, there's, you have too much to give to the world you need to go share it. And I, I'm just loving reading it. I, I, you know, I try and read a chapter every, every week or two and, and, and just absorb it. It's one of those books where if you try and absorb it in one sitting and read the whole thing, I think your brain would explode. And it's not because it's a hard read. It's just, there's so much to work through with yourself. It, it makes you think, well, why have I done that all these years? Why have I made that a priority instead of this? So uh, it's, it's a great read, and I'm really thankful. My, my sister sent it to me a few months ago, and, and uh, I'm, I'm eventually going to finish it, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm probably going to be a better human being once I do, but it's taken me a while. Yeah, that reminds me of a, <clears throat> a former colleague um, and somebody that I'm hoping to get on this podcast at some point, but she, massive career in corporate America, investment banking, um, and did it kind of the reverse. She did it for you know, over 20 something years and just varying levels of commercial success. And um, A, she, she did that in a very male dominated environment, which is super impressive. And some yes. of, like I've always said, there's habits I need to unlearn because I had to learn to, to dive in and get the voice in the room. If, if, you know, you're going to start working or being in an environment that's a little bit more, um, polite and allows people to talk instead of interrupting and things like that. But 
she did that. She took a sabbatical and she went to Nepal, I think it was. And uh, I think three months or maybe it was a month. I can't remember exact timing, but she said, just spending time there, thinking about, you know, what you've done to date, thinking about who you want to be, thinking about who you naturally are and who you've had to become. And then what do you want the rest of your life to be like? And um, just came back refreshed, energized, new perspective and started her own company, um, which I thought she's so impressive. And she's just, she, you can tell the weight of the world is off, but she has so much to give. So kind of like the same thing, like she did that for an experience of re-energizing and wow, it just, it, it just, you know, I'm, the world's going to be better for it. Like she was amazing in what she did, but gosh, now the things that she can give back, I think it's just so impressive. So, you know, kind of makes me think of our, our upcoming guests, uh, Kat, uh, is it Mug, Margulis? Margulis, yeah. thank you. I mean, we actually talked with Kat about how to pronounce that last name and she's like, I don't know, <laughs> Kat Margulis. And Matt, if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about Kat, that'd be great. Yeah, Kat's phenomenal. And, and she, her her life spirit is, has been remarkable. Um, Kat's been my book coach for the last few months and guided me through the writing of my book. And um, she was in corporate America. She was a big time magazine editor and writer and wrote her own books and um, then had kids and, you know, just had to figure out how do I, how do I continue to be me and find my passion? And she's built this really remarkable company called the Passion Project Pod. And you can find her at passionprojectpod.com. And just an extraordinary writer, book coach, entrepreneur. Um, what she, what she's going to do next is up in the air, but whatever she does, she does it really well. She's a great coach, great mentor, and I think she's got a lot of great nuggets that she's going to share with us today. Is there anything that you want our audience kind of to keep their ears open for throughout this one? I mean, what I love is, and, and if you go, I did some research before um, we interviewed her on just her history and her story, you know, based off of, on her website. And I love that she she doesn't let failure um, get her down. She assumes it's going to happen and we're not going to do everything right or perfect the first time, but, you know, always keeping, you know, the faith and, and really taking each one of those as almost motivation to do the next best thing and try again and round off the edges. And if this didn't work exactly like this, then what about this? And up to and including, you know, she's had her dream job that she still hasn't actually uh, brought to completion, but I, fully see this realizing in the, in the near term, you know, in the next few years, because she's got so much to give. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear her story and, and definitely go check her out. If it's something you're interested, she could provide a lot of feedback and insight for, for you as an individual, if you're interested in like writing a book. Yeah. As we continue to do in the Be Significant podcast is bring you people that can make your life better make you think about life a little differently and, 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 and hopefully motivate you to, to be your authentic self and the best version of yourself. So we're excited. Have a, have a listen to Kat Margulis. Hello, Miss Kat. So nice to have you. Hello. Hello. Hi, Matt and Beth. Hello. Welcome to Be Significant. Thank you. I'm excited we're to be here. We're thrilled that you're here. Um, 
I don't think I've ever asked you this, which is really weird. Um, it just tells you how self-centered I am as a, as a burgeoning writer. <laughs> how do you like your last name pronounced? God, I don't even know. Is it your, is it your, is it your married name? No, it's your, it's your maiden name. It's my maiden name, but my parents, um, come from Argentina. So they've always said it with an accent. So I just never get it right. So tell me how it do you an pronounce accent. it? Yeah, I'm going to say Margulis. I just like, that's what I just do is Margulis, but it sounds very different coming from my parents. How how did you, how did your folks go from Argentina to Canada? Oh, this is so funny. You know, um, depending on the day, they'll give you different answers, but there was, um, I guess Canada did do a call out for immigration, immigrants in Australia. They were both doing it at the same time. So we were just talking about it this last last weekend that we could have ended up in Australia, but we we ended up here. Um, but yeah, it was going to be one or the other because no they kidding. had the more of an open door policy at that time. It was the seventies. So that's great. Yeah, that's, that's so you interesting. Speak Spanish? I do. Oh, they can so tell. Glad. You know, native Spanish speakers can tell I'm you know uh, I'm a gringa. Like I grew up in Canada, but I can get by. For sure. I love it. I, um, I've been working on Duolingo for way too long to say that I haven't been proficient, but I think that I've told everyone, like, I'm really good on Duolingo, but then I get in my head when I'm out there in the world practicing, I'm like, hold on, you know, and it's like, just need to pretend it's okay to be a three-year-old when you're learning. (laughs) I'm like that with French. I'm like that with French. Like I studied French and, um, I thought it would be good because I'm in Canada and Canada's bilingual. And uh, I was like fluent, but when I went to live in Paris, I was so embarrassed. And yes. and also they will totally destroy you if you don't say something. <laughs> They're not shy about it. And my friends that didn't care, they got so much further in their French that year. And they just sounded like they had lived in Paris their whole life. And me being so self-conscious, like it did not serve me at all. But yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I just got to get over it. There's so many people I could practice with and I just got to be like, okay. To, to sound like an idiot for a while and then you're going to get better and you can do it. So yeah, 80 yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. Kat, I, I love your most recent newsletter you put out uh, this week. Um, so I'm, I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit. So I love that you called yourself the queen of queen of the hill magazine editor and author. Um, what made you go from this, magazine editor, writing your own books to deciding to be a book coach and be your own boss. What, what Mm -hmm. drove all that? That is so funny. It's so funny. You got that in time. I wrote that weeks ago, but because I did a huge uh, series just now, I had to, I only do one email a week. So I had to be on point with that. So I released the email today, last night. Um, And then I had this interview with you scheduled already, and it was going to be similar in theme. So the timing was pretty funny. But um, yeah, so I was a, you know, I I did journalism, I went to magazine editing, uh, did really well on that. um, And, but the, the industry was changing, right? There was that move to digital, definitely near the, the end. And, you know, I saw the writing on the wall and there were layoffs constantly and things like that, but digital never paid. And, And so I followed the money into corporate. And as a lot of other journalists did, because also brands paid to be in the content space. They paid to be in magazines and such like that, right? Then they realized, oh, we can have our own content. We can have our own channels. 
And so that's why journalists were migrating over to corporate, doing content for them, improving their content. Uh, so I went there. So that's kind of where I got, became more of an entrepreneur. Um, and, and also like freelance writing just was never going to be steady enough or, or substantial enough. So did that. And then also started to work on my own books. Finally, uh, it took me losing my job and being pregnant so that there was like zero job options, you know, and I was no, no I was choices. Going. I think I did go to a couple interviews and then I'm like, okay, this is just not going to work anymore. They can totally see I'm pregnant. Um, and so I had a period of time where I had no work and I had some small little freelance stuff. I always made sure I had some freelance in the back. Um, so we could get by a little bit, but that's when I had time to write and I started working on my books. And from there, I, the past few years, I started going into personal development and leadership and transformation. So that was like a whole other journey and started volunteer coaching and kind of giving back to the community. Um, and, and then it just like, it's just destiny, man. Like, you know, a friend of a friend heard from a friend of hers that he wanted to write a book and She's like, well, my friend Kat can write books. She's writing books. Maybe you should talk to her. And, and then we hooked up and, you know, it was just, just like a match made in heaven. We were just like really great, creatively creative partners. Um, and so my first client fell in my lap completely. I didn't even know I could be a book coach. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just wanted to help this person. And I figured it out along the way. And I had that coaching experience that I could bring, not just like editorial expertise, but also uh, we both spoke the lit language of leadership and transformation. He's also a coach. Um, so I could, I knew where he wanted to go with his book and I could also support him in a way that a coach does, which is different than just an editor. So, um, it just evolved from there and mostly referrals, to be honest. That's great. How do you get your ideas? I mean, again, Matt's also writing his first book. And I've had people that say, you should write something about that. But to me, it's never been like, again, I see you, Matt's like, I've had this idea for years and I'm just, you know, again, at least the beginning and some of the middle and the end. And then you're like, I have a couple ideas for books. Like, where does that start? Or where do you kind of get that interest? And then how do you dive in further to like build that process of your story that you're Yeah, I love that. Um, I talk to a lot of people about this, uh, you know, and I love, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy and Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. And I, love Jerry I was Seinfeld. watching some documentary with him, right? And he showed his filing cabinet of bits, just bits. And so that's what I have on my computer. I have folders and notes and folders and notes and bits and bits and bits. And when I, um, you know, so I kind of stow everything away. But to be honest, like, it's usually like, it, it just arrives to me fully fledged, fully formed, kind of like mm. a baby. Like, it's just like, I'm, I wake up from a dream and it's like, I know the beginning, middle and end. And I know that book is ready. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Whereas I, I have all these little bits, but I'm like, I don't know the beginning, middle and end yet. So I don't think that book is ready for me and I'm not ready for it. So that those are the things I stow away. But the books that I've fully committed to write from beginning to end is because I just was so clear on the beginning, middle and end. And I knew it was go time. Yeah. I love that. I, I found the same thing. My, once I had my outline, I felt like I was just downloading my brain, following the step, you know, just walking the ladder. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty, it's pretty powerful. You, you've got four children. You're a book coach. You're a book author. At, at what point do you find time to do all these things? Are you finding with your passion project, are you finding that this is where your heart is, is being a coach 
more than a writer? Are you finding some balance with that? Are you finding some direction with all that? It's been a journey. Like, I mean, I, I always imagined I'd be writing books, but it really took me getting fired to finally be like, okay. Cause even when I was on mat leave, I was like, I'm going to write a book. And then I would get busy with something else. I'm like, I'm going to build my personal brand now. You know, I'm going to blog, I'm going to mom blog. So, um, I always found something to distract myself with and also chase money. Right. Cause I was like, always like, well, my books are not going to pay me because that's not what was driving those books for me. So I, I, I just kept distracting myself and finding other things to fill my time. So that was a big one for me. And then, um, yeah, it, it really is like that passion purpose thing. It's like making a commit. There's, you know, a lot of my, my, the people I work with are wear a lot of hats, you know, their parents, they're entrepreneurs, they have a day job perhaps. So there is a certain amount of like just managing your time and maybe you join the 5 a.m. club. I've done that several times. I talk a lot about sprints, you know, like I may pull back in certain areas of my life. I might, I might pull back in my, my business and, and from actively recruiting new clients because um, I'm on a sprint with my book. And then I know that I'm going to set that aside and then I'm going to come back and grow my business. So those are two really key ways that I find a way to, to make it all happen. Um, I had a, a leadership coach and she often talked about, like she used the analogy of like spinning plates in the air and you're like spinning this one and then, and then you're, this one's falling. So then you're over here. So it's constantly, it's not quite a balancing act. You just keep, you know, spinning different plates, but that's how I make it. But there's been a lot of sacrifice and there's compromises and, um, but I, I just feel like I'm always being led and I'm going where I'm led and I know it's bringing me a lot of joy and I know it's bringing other people joy. So I, I trust I'm on the right track. I think that's great. Can you, I mean, when you went back again, you got fired and you, you had ideas for books and I like how you said those weren't going to be the ones that kept the money making and winner if they did, but that wasn't what you had envisioned. Yeah. So how did you then organize for those that have those same passions and maybe in different areas of starting their own business? And what does that look like for them? How did you just get started to organize a title domain? Here, I'm going to do a website. Here's what I think is inclusive of my website, but allowing scalability in different areas as, you know, like coaching and things that you mentioned. Yeah. How did you get started so that you could start organizing those thoughts for those that might be having the same ideas, but just feeling overwhelmed with how to get started in the little yeah. I mean, you know, one thing, you know, uh, one thing is just, you know, I always had some small freelancing contracts, so I was never completely jumping off with no, uh, nothing to catch me. So I always maintain that even when I had a full-time job, cause I'd been through enough transitions to know that jobs come and go and there's layoffs and there's restructurings. So, um, I had like, you know, that sort of a soft landing, um, and so that's really important because, um, you know, that, you know, if, when people go, you know, shut and I did, like, I did actively make a decision, um, after I think my first two or three coaching book coaching clients where I said, that's it. I'm closing the door. I'm done with any editorial consulting, like anything that's not book related, I'm saying no to. So I did make that decision, but I was already maybe a year in, um, so, so I just want to, you know, presence that, but as far as like, um, the mechanics and the logistics of it, I mean, 
I think there's a saying, but I don't remember what it is about serial entrepreneurs. You know, like you fail a lot. You just, you yeah. just, I've had a lot of different, I had a website, I had a beauty blog. I mean, I had so many different businesses. I make my parents' head spin, you know what I mean? But um, so that's all just been great practice and honing of my own entrepreneurial skills. Mm. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. So um, serial entrepreneurialism is a thing. And will often fail a lot, but it is bringing you closer to the thing that's going to work. I do believe that. And um, the other piece of it is like, just from a leadership standpoint, it's just a hundred percent aligning your calendar with your priorities. You know, I mean, I remember going through uh, one of my trainings and I realized like, I'm not even in this calendar. Mm, <laughs> that's a good point. You would just think like, I'm just an output machine. There's like zero time allotted to CAC. And I ended up blocking in like me time, which I would always end up deleting, to be honest. But at least I set an attention of like, this is where I actually eat and sleep and breathe. And, um, but yeah, you know, if you don't make time of it, if you, you know, people who's writing a book, if they don't have that in their calendar, it's, I don't believe it's going to happen. If you don't, and I, and I think everything can be incremental. And I will say that with the book too. I'm like, you don't have to write a book in a day. You can just commit to 200 words a day. You can commit to 20 minutes a day and you're slowly moving toward your, your goal. And that's encouraging. And then you get momentum and then you can build on that. And I believe whether that's a business that you want to grow or a business you want to build, you want to get out of your job, you want to start your own business. Um, maybe you're not ready to quit your old job, but as long as you know, you're chipping away at that and you're committing 20 minutes or an hour a day to the business that you want to grow or whatever goal it is that you want to grow, then it's encouraging. You'll get momentum and you'll get closer to it. But if you don't schedule it, it's not, it's likely not going to happen. I agree. That's great. Great advice. I think one of the big things you've helped me with Kat is, is networking and, and leaning on people that have the knowledge that, I don't have, and you don't have. And, you know, even if you think, you know, something you've been great at saying, Hey, take a look at this, you know, this guy, this gal has great perspective here. This, this is worth your time. And I think that's really helped me. I've always been somebody that shared the wisdom of the people I have in my life. I'm, you know, I'm all, you know, I'll call, I'll have somebody call Beth or have Beth call somebody that's looking to get into HR and the corporate world. And, but I, I've been so poor for 40 years of doing it for myself. So I've really appreciated that. And I think my book is better because I've reached out to my friends and said, Hey, would you contribute? You know, would you read this for me? Would you, would you give me some, some of your thoughts and your advice and, and, and feedback? And I think the book is so much better because of that push you've kind of given me to, to utilize those things. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I love it. I mean, I'm so grateful you know, I did stuff alone a lot early in my entrepreneur career. Like, yes, I have a husband. He's always supportive of me and my mom and my sister, and my dad always like cheering me on. But um, it wasn't until really leadership where I started to have teams and groups of people um, that weren't working on my goal with me, but we were sharing knowledge. And it was always like, here's a cool book you got to check out. Here's a cool podcast you got to check out. And that continues to this day. You know, I just watched two hours or listened to two hour podcast yesterday from one of my pods from a friend uh, in one of my pods. And so we're always knowledge sharing. We're always tipping each other off and um, trying to lift each other up. And I think people don't have enough of that. I don't think we create teams in our life. And I'm so grateful to leadership for that, for um, creating an awareness of that. And we get, to, we get to put work into it. 
because there's a lot of pods and teams that have kind of splintered off or faded away. Um, so, you know, we get to be intentional and um, contribute to that too. I think it's I think it's really ironic the fact that you didn't think you were going to be a book coach and you never thought of that idea, but it's really who you are. I mean, coaches, you know, I've told you this and I mean it. You're 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 such a good motivator and you're so positive, even when the the criticism and the constructive criticism needs to be direct. I I, I just it's made me motivated to work harder and 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 you, the simple things that you've given me have, has turned into something big because you've you've planted that seed. So I, I think that's I think who you are as a coach is really ideal, and and oh. it comes through in everything you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. Um, I I'm so grateful. This has been like the best. Well, I, I say that, but the, I have to say my kids are my best adventure. But this has been the second best adventure is book coaching and. I don't sweat it. Like, I really feel like the right people, not the right people, but the people I'm meant to serve come to me. Uh, I just keep kind of like shining the light in the lighthouse. But when people don't choose to work with me or I just trust, like, it's just the people I work with are so impactful. They're such amazing leaders like you, Matt. They're incredible leaders. They're incredible Um experts and resources and they all you know the common theme in in this group of people for me is they just really want to make a difference for other people and I get so excited like I just get so excited by the idea that I can help one person and this person is going to help thousands of people like you Matt you know I just get to help Matt and Matt is going to lift he's going to lift thousands of people up it's incredible I get goosebumps thinking about it so yeah I love that Tell me, you know, and I read, I was looking at your website yesterday, preparing for this interview, but like, tell me a little bit about, again, growing up, we started the podcast with a little bit of, you know, the evolution of how you ended up in Toronto, but I would really love, and again, I read kind of your starter story of where I'm like, I wasn't a great student, you know, here's what you're doing. Here's like, my life just happened to me. Um, Tell me a little bit about that origin. And then where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from and and the the gift of helping others and having a way to do that in an encouraging way how did you was that innate and then it was honed I would love to learn more about your upbringing yeah oh gosh no I have to credit <laughs> leadership with so much I was a really selfish a-hole for a long time <laughs> um you know uh my parents are both entrepreneurs um and uh, you know and I have an artist heart, right? I actually wanted to be a filmmaker. So I totally chickened Mm. out of filmmaking because I was like, I don't want to be a starving artist. And there's only one Steven Spielberg and all my limiting beliefs. Women don't do that. You know, few women directors make it. So that was like my real dream. And I chickened out of auditioning for film school. Mm. And, um, and I went what I thought was practical at the time, which was writing and journalism. (laughs) It was great. um, Very pragmatic. (laughs) And I mean, I was always a reader. I was always a writer. I was always, you know, making plays and books and, and stuff like that. So, um, but I thought it was practical. So I think I always have that um, struggle between art and commerce because I do want to be successful and I want to make money and I like nice things, but um, I'm also driven by art. So I think I'm always vacillating between the two. And, and so uh, I wanted to write books, but I wanted to make money. You know what I mean? Like, it's just always been my story. So um, 
yeah, from film school to journalism school. Uh, and um, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. It, it, even like the books that, you know, um, uh, the books that I, I grew up in a house and there was a lot of literature. Mm. Uh, I, my mom is a really big reader and I have much older stepsisters that were probably English majors and psychology majors. And I always had like these really high level um, books that I didn't understand even what I was reading when I was a kid, but I was exposed to all of that. So um, I didn't even read contemporary until, um, you know, uh, until recently, I hate to say, like I was really pretty firmly planted in the 1900s in classic literature forever. And then when I started having kids, I didn't read books for like 10 years. Like I didn't read anything for 10 years, you know. I had twins. Except for kids' books, I would assume, right? <laughs> <Except for kids. laughs> Good night, moon, or whatever those exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then when I finally came out of like the crazy, you know, early childhood uh, care years, I started getting into contemporary, but I was really drawn to life stories, biographies, Me too. Um, and personal development. And I'm still there, you know, it still is a little bit of a stretch for me to, to read something, some a piece of fiction, even though that's what comes out of me. I'm really drawn to biographies and life stories and stuff like that. So it's just interesting. Um, it's just interesting, you know, what, what we're exposed to uh, and, and where it leads us. I don't know if I answered that question, but you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm the same way. I always take learnings from other people's life stories and not the whole life, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's good advice for me, you know, because depending yeah. on where you're at, when you read something and I was, I just read Michelle Obama's Becoming. I don't yeah. know if you heard that. It was, just, I mean, I'm in Chicago and she grew up in Chicago and just hearing her story. I, and then my sister just read it and yeah, we were talking it. about it. And I was just like, I love the tenacity and also the insecurity that she had, you know, just, she's a very confident woman, but then these bouts of insecurity, but then what she did to overcome it and just become confident and where she's at. And I was just like, amazing story. So I think it's fun to learn from those. Yeah. And what's been coming up really for me, like lately, is just like, the existential drama. Like I've obviously always been drawn to that and it was in classic literature forever, but the kind of authors, there was not light reading that I was really into, but they were all wrestling with the meaning of life and, mm. you know, what are we doing here? And they didn't use words like passion and purpose, but they, those are the questions that they were asking and uh, they didn't use authenticity, but really that was what was underneath a lot of their questions. So it's so interesting that that's what I was like steeped in, in my teens and my twenties. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, that's kind of the content that I, I work with as an author and as a book coach, that's the stuff that I get really, those are the people I want to work with or who are asking those questions and, and answering it to their, the best of their ability. So it's it's funny how writing always comes back to the to the classics. I mean, my my introduction to Victorian fiction and Shakespeare was so early, and you know, and then like you like you the the 1900s. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Hemingway fan, and just learning structure and flow and what inspires you. You know, I love. Yeah. I, I'm I'm into um, uh, Patterson, James Patterson, right now. What I love about James Patterson it's every chapter is about three, four pages long, you know? So it's like, okay, I can, I can have a little snack or I can have, I can have a meal, but I, I never feel like, oh my gosh, this chapter just won't ever end. I mean, it's like mini story after mini story. And I think when you, when you're reading great writers, 
and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when you're reading great writers, it helps build your brain on how you need to write. And, and I, I write completely different from the people I, I love to read, but it's, it's made me more efficient. It's made me more focused. It's made me um, find, find the, the significance of what I'm trying to say a lot faster. So mm-hmm. how, how do you, what is, what is all that, that classical reading done for you in terms of how you write? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this stuff is embedded in us. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> dare I say it, I have a, you know, I told you this story about that. Somebody hired me as a ghostwriter and I'm like, you're making me look bad. You're such a great writer, but you know, you guys, we are all exposed to story, right? Our whole lives. And so I think it's already inside of us. And it's kind of like, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this one. It's, um, it's not the Da Vinci Code, it's the Michelangelo or the David. And it's like, you know, that saying it's, you know, all I did was chip away everything that wasn't, mm. right? right. And uh, so I think that's kind of what my job as an author and as, um, as, a, as a book coach and as an editor is just chip away. It's all there and just chip away the stuff that isn't the masterpiece. Um, and really that's what editing is all about. You know, it's just that refining and refining and refining, but um yeah, yeah, I I love that you know you you were raised on that stuff, and I'm just a huge fan of the classics, and um, yeah, and and I love Stephen King. Well, I, I not right now. Now I'm, I I can't handle a lot of that. anything too dark. I I just don't have the um the disposition for it anymore. Have you read it? Have you read his biography on writing? Yes. Oh my gosh, what a great piece of work that is. Any young writer needs to read that. It is. My niece gave that to me about four years ago and it just, it changed everything with my writing. And it's funny because there's so many things in that book that you've reinserted into my brain that I need to do. You know, going back to Matt, just sit down and write, stop editing, just sit down and write every day. You know, and and those, those simple things are so powerful throughout that book. So yeah. that's, I love Stephen King. I love Stephen. He's a master. And, uh, and what I was thinking about yesterday or today was just like, what was so awesome about him? Why, he, why he's such a, I think, uh, also, obviously he's an amazing plotter and everything like that. But I think what really is his superpower is how, um, how honest his writing is. He yes. really knew the people he was writing about. Uh, you know, he lived in those communities and it was just so honest. And I think that's why it resonated so well, you know? Um, and, and I just always say like, like good writing is just, it's good writing just sounds like you. So the more authentic you are, the more naturally awesome you're going to be as a writer. Yeah. And, and if you know your stuff, your voice is going to come through. I mean, if you try and write in someone else's voice or someone else's profession or expertise it's it's not going to sound good so you, you write what you know yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely yeah well cat w- w- this has been great and and we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about the passion project here and and make sure people know where they can find you but we want to do a little rapid fire with you if you're up for it yeah sounds good yeah and we we, we call it rapid fire but we always we always tease each other because it seems that when we ask a quick question it turns into the long answer and we love that too so it's, it's not really rapid fire so don't feel like pressure but we yeah. we want to we want to share the things that are important to you and and and, and hear those things so yeah. if you're ready we'll get started 
And I think we're the biggest offender of the rapid yeah. fire where you say an answer and then we get curious and we're like, tell us more, you know? So again, enjoy this. So it. again, it feels like you're doing the job that you love to do, but if you had to change it up and again, you answered maybe earlier that would seed plant, but I'm going to let you answer it just without a leading question. What other job would you do if you like, if it weren't the one you were doing? Screenwriter. I knew it was going to go back to film because I was just going to say, you've already answered it earlier. So I feel like that would be your answer. Great. Your youngest is going to be 10 years old and you're going to write your first screenplay. I tell you, 10 years old, the youngest hits 10, everything changes. Well, yeah, I actually wrote my first book as a screenplay. Nice. So this is the crazy thing. So I wrote it as a screenplay and then like, I don't know anybody in Hollywood and I, I'm going to have so much more luck as a, as a published author because I'm a journalist and yeah, right. Um, and so uh so anyways, and so anyways, uh, recently I just kind of went back because now I get to update the screenplay because the book has evolved so much, but now I know so many people in Hollywood and now I have a film agent. So yeah, cool. like, I love funny. it. I can't Very wait. Cool. All right. This, the, your latest newsletter, you called yourself a mess up, a loser or an unconventional winner, which I, I just, I don't see. And it's hard for me to believe. What would you tell your 21 year old self if you go, go back and give that, that young cat some advice? Oh, that's a really good question. Ooh, um, mm, where was I then? I think I was either interning or in my first job. I don't know. You know, I, I love my life so much. I wouldn't change it. And I think I really feel like everything was a stepping stone and a piece of a puzzle. And if I were to do that, you know, back, uh, back to the future type thing, I might mess it all up. So, um, I would just say trust, like just trust and, you know, just, just keep going and have faith. And, um, I'm grateful that there was some piece of me that did all along. Um, and, and that's really what I want to, uh, I want to give that away to people, you know, because I think people can despair or things are not going right in the moment. And I have times where thing, things don't go right for me a lot, but there's always been, I don't know if I got that from my parents. I don't know where that came from, but there's always been this like glimmer of hope, no matter how bad, bad things got. And so I always kept going and I never quit. Mm, I love that. I think that's great. You mentioned you spent two hours yesterday listening to some podcasts. So what's your favorite book or podcast that you recently listened to? So it could be yesterday or anything that you want to a mention that you think is really significant for our well, I'll work. tell you what I'm working on right now. So I right. am working on, oh my God, I've got so many things I'm working on. Uh, okay. Well, I love it's, a, it's a hodgepodge, man. I'm reading a few different things at the same time. So I'm reading 1984. Oh, just, I wanted to read that book so much and I am having a hard time. I'm like, I just can't handle this content right now. <laughs> um, it's bleak. And it could have been reading, written yesterday. What's that? It could have been written yesterday. Oh, it really could have. Like, it's just really, Scary. there was a time when I really loved dark content and yeah. you know, dystopias and I just like to be in happy land. So it's hard for me to get through it. So I'm, I'm really working through it. Um, and then I also am more than halfway through Purpose Driven Life, which is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And I really love listening to the message also. If anybody's listening to it, listen to the message because those are like a longer one hour talk and I really enjoy it. And I realized I hadn't finished Living Fearless by uh, Jamie Winship, I want to say. 
And I, I picked it up last night because I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even finish this book. Uh, and that's a great one too. So those three, and what I've been watching, listening. So yesterday's was a podcast, Impact Theory, Tom Bilye, I think is his name. Okay. And uh, before that was another Tom Bilye uh, podcast. And it is about fasting. So I'm totally playing and loving this mental stretch called fasting. <laughs> And seeing what I, you know, my mind and body, how, how they are competing for, for control. <laughs> is that a mental or like literal fasting as well as mental fasting, fasting? But, but playing with my, um, playing with my different levels of my different thresholds. Hmm. So I am good for 20 hours. I realize I can do 20 hours. If I do 24 hours, the rest of the week is messed up because 24 hours ends and then I'm going to have something at the end of 24 hours and then the whole cycle begins. Yeah. So uh, 20 hours is good. So I'm going to stick in with that. Uh, And I'd like to build up endurance to reach a, to do a a 24 hour, but to do it um, without suffering. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I think I'm basically doing a three day fast because it sounds like magic. Sounds magic. Mine is 12. I mean, again, I get hangry so I I do I can sleep overnight and I count that as seven to eight and then I was like I can like hold off I still have to have coffee yes yeah water um but I do that in the morning until about 10 30 11 and then I like great and go yeah (laughs) listen to this podcast interview she was fantastic and she would just say you know she 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 doesn't want people like to uh give up so she's always like just build just like push it back an hour push it back an hour and uh, I still have a coffee. And then the other cheat, she shared it for three day fast, but I'm using it on my 20 hour fast. And it gets me through. It's just like a little bit of um, a little powder with magnesium and potassium, just kind of like a, an electrolyte drink, right? Yeah. Just to get me through that last stretch, but I can get to four o'clock pretty much no problem. I kind of thought, oh, maybe today, maybe my stomach is going to growl. Maybe I should do a little of my electrolyte drink before this podcast interview, but I'm doing all right. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Great. And Smartless. We're, I am a huge fan of Smartless. Oh, oh. We're, we're, we've been binging the HBO. Have you seen the HBO stuff yet? No. Oh, they, so good. They filmed, they filmed all their on the road stuff. It's so good. So fun. I was just made me think of that because Jason Bateman was talking about like, he was like, we just ate before I go on stage. He's like, somebody get me some gas X. And I was like, are you serious? And so everywhere he went, then he saw like there's gas X. And he's like, I don't know what people think, but there's gas X everywhere I go. It's so funny. Oh, they're great. Those guys are hilarious. That. Yeah. This question goes ex- exactly opposite what we've just been talking to, but what is your go-to comfort food? What, what do you, what do you fall back on? What do you cook or what do you want to eat when you just, you need something to lift mm. your spirits? Um, well, I definitely am a chocolate fan. Um, but I would say like my two favorite meals, <laughs> anybody can get me out of the house, which is pretty hard, but you can get me at the house if we're going for Indian or we're going for Chinese dim sum. So I just had dim sum with my dad the other day. So those are my favorite meals. Those, those that's right. Dim sum's right up my alley too. No Argentinian foods. You know, uh, we always have chimichurri. <laughs> Mm, I love chimichurri. So my good. dad just made me a new batch. He still goes to Argentina for like big stretches of time. So we, but then he'll make me like six months worth. Um, so no, we'll make a lot of steak. Uh, and the kids and my husband will be really happy. But I'll probably just have it with like fish now. Because again, I'm just kind of like, um, yeah, just listening to my body, listening to yeah. my body. And sometimes it's just too heavy, you know, and, and yeah. you just end up being like in a food coma after. Yeah. 
You mentioned that you're um, mostly optimistic and you always have a little bit of that hope. Just it's always in there. But there are times because we're human that you're feeling a little bit down. So do you have like a go to movie or or something that you're like, this will bring me up. I I go to this all the time and it's going to lift my spirits and remind me that there's hope. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have a fantastic husband. Uh, he's a really carefree dude and, uh, he's very funny and he loves music and he doesn't think about work. He checks out of work. You know what I mean? So he's a, he's a huge, huge part of it for me. My whole, my whole life. Cause we've been together almost my whole life. Um, so definitely him. And then, you know, I've got my, I've got my power groups and my leadership groups. Um, so I found them super supportive during the pandemic. Mm. Um, I never was felt alone because I was I was doing so much in the community and I was coaching teams and um, I was in it pretty much consistently for three years. So I had so many different pods. And I mean, that was huge for a lot of people. I think that were in that space at the time, they did not feel as much pain or isolation that I think huge amounts of population did. So that was mm -hmm. a big one. And then increasingly is my faith journey. Uh, so yeah, just, you know, spending time with God and, and Jesus and, um, and leaning into that, it brings me so much peace. So that's yeah. awesome. Very that's cool. Great. All right, Miss Canada, if you were prime minister for the day, what, what would you, if we gave you all the, all the rope, what would you change? What would you implement if you, you had the power? Oh my God, what a great question, because man, do I ever complain a lot, but I'm one of those classic people. I don't know what solutions I have. Oh God, that's a great question, Matt. Is there, you've got four young kids. Is there something that you'd want for them <laughs> as they grow older that you'd want to see affected and changed? I uh, definitely better, better education. I think that's the, the big fight for me and a lot of the parents that I, I talk with is just being so disappointed in education and where the focus is and um, all our kids are behind, all our kids are struggling and it's really expensive and it's really time consuming. And since the pandemic, we've always felt like it's all on us now, the parents mm. to either tutor our kids or pay up and, and pay for the extracurricular. So um, I'm gonna say, yeah, education's been number one, good education that's going to serve them in their life and their careers and, um, and, uh, and leadership. I mean, God, I, I had to fall into it or be dragged into it <laughs> in my, my forties, uh, you know, into this whole coaching space. And so we can definitely bring more of that to kids. And I think there's little glimmers of it. Um, you know, I, I really want to, uh, how can I say this diplomatically and everything, but um, I think there's like a lot of allowances ma made right now for people to be okay with where they are. And uh, uh, I, I want us to hold each other higher. And I, I think mm. we could do that with our kids instead of um, making things easier. How can we help them rise up? You know, I think that there's something there. Yeah, build that resilience and grit. I mean, and, and also be okay to talk about it when you're struggling, but then how do we then still work at yeah. meeting that next level? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's funny. I work with high school kids every day and and 
if you ask one of my players what being a captain means, they go, well, I'm, I'm the captain. I'm, you know, I'm the leader. And what does that mean to you? And they have a hard time articulating it because when they were eight, they were the line leader. And that was leadership. You know, I was the line leader to go to lunch, you know, and no one's taught them how to be a leader. How to, how did you get treated when you were a ninth grader by the 12th graders? You know, how would you wish they would have treated you? What would you have done differently? So I, I think you're on to a big, big thing that we need to focus on as teachers and educators is really teaching kids what that leadership means and the impact you can have on those people that are listening to your leadership. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I love it. I mean, and that's what you're doing with your book is you're teaching leadership to kids that uh, probably haven't been exposed to that kind of responsibility, like holding the kids there. You are responsible, but also you're capable. Yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, I think the, at all levels and in, in at all ages, we can impart some of that. And yeah. A good leader, whatever you give a good leader, they give it back to you times 10, you know, and I, 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 I always want to make that clear with young people is if you're going to lead, whatever you're given, you have to give it back and there has to be more coming back. Otherwise, you're just a part of the team, you know. Yeah, and be aware of your influence, be aware of your impact, right? I think. Exactly. Yeah, I just good and the bad. Watching. Because of the conversation we had, Matt, I just started rewatching The West Wing while I work out, you know, and then I see like early episodes, I forgot about this, but yeah. years, you know, probably not the best role model of when he was like over his skis, you know, as, you know, Martin Sheen's character as the president. And I was like, wow, he is not his best self. And then I remember how it ended. So I was just like, interesting. So anyways, I think the impact, even when you're young, the influence you have on others. So I think that's really good. Yeah. Last question or rapid fire, it's obviously gone very fast. <laughs> For anyone listening to the podcast, what is one piece of advice that you would really think was significant that you want to relay to them? And whether it's something you learned earlier in your life or something now that you're like, this is just, it's kind of my mantra. Here's, here's something that everyone should take with them. Yeah, I really love that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of continue with the point. I mean, this is something that you guys uh, would be really familiar with is, is team. And that was something, again, like I, I, I would say that I, I grew up in some pretty toxic workplaces. You know, there was just so much competition. There's so much scarcity and everybody's vying for the spot. Um, and uh, so much later on, I just learned the value of team and team dynamics. And, um, and it looks like many different things. It can look like your family and your marriage, but your relationship with your kids, but, um, uh, yeah, just, you know, to, to approach life and, uh, draw on your people more and, and draw on your community more and, uh, and also contribute. Oh, contribution's a huge one. That is huge huge. And I, you know, I would just say it, and that's another thing. If anybody's having a down day, go serve, like go contribute and that's just going to fill you up. So, um, yeah. I love that. That's great. Well, Kat, we can't thank you enough for, uh, for being on the podcast today and thank you all you've done for me and guiding me through my book. Um, as I, as you'll read here soon in my acknowledgements, the back of the book, 
I, I said, I'd, I'd still be rewriting chapter one if it wasn't for you. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for your guidance and we love your passion and your story. And we very much appreciate you sharing uh, with both of us and our, our audience today, your, your wisdom and um, anybody that is interested in leadership, writing a book, um, getting the ball rolling to, to be a writer, definitely go to your website. Do you want to give everybody your website one more time? Yeah, you can reach me at passionprojectpod.com. And I'm also at substack.com at Kat Margulis. And I, we'll, I'll make sure it's in the podcast as well. So people can get to you that way too. So Kat, thank you so much. I know we'll talk next week at some point, but uh, enjoy yeah. your day. I hope you hope you get some me time. Thank you. This is great. I'm Terry. Thank you so much. That was really, really lovely. And I loved hanging out with you guys. This was super fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank Kat. you, Kat. It was Kat take care. Have Thank a great you. day. Thanks. Bye. Well, Miss Cook, are you ready to write your book now? <laughs> Not quite. I still feel like that I don't have that natural entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, I, I think I differ in that from uh, both you and, and Kat. I mean, again, I do have ideas. I just don't know if they're quite book worthy, but, um, you know, maybe I'll Jerry Seinfeld and just make a whole file drawer of just little ideas. Yeah. I think, I think being in HR, as long as you have, it's, it's the opposite of entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship, you really are taking your thoughts and your ideas and you're making something out of it. And when you're in HR, as long as you have, you're taking everybody else's ideas and trying to build a team and cohesiveness and trying to get everybody healthy and happy. And it's, it's almost like being a mother. You know, you, you, your your energy is always going to others instead of yourself. And I'm going to slowly pull you out of that. <laughs> you might have to. I mean, what I loved about what Kat said is some things that I've actually infused. And I think she's, you know, either she's learned it or she naturally had them. But points I'd like to make is like that. We called it board of directors. I remember that I um, developed a leadership curriculum. And really, we were trying to do it for improving our diversity and specifically focusing on women, um, getting them over the hump, right? Yes. You know, we had a certain hump within our organization that they just either punt off and go start their own thing or go to another organization. And because they just weren't getting over that hump. And one of the things that we had is like monthly when we infuse this program and just trying to do with everyday parts of their job instead of making it so above and beyond. I mean, of course, we infused certain curriculum, certain project work, certain exposure and yeah. to help them get that exposure that would lead them to that next level role. But one of the things they did is monthly is we had a group of articles and we gave them those and they said, you can add to them, but really you're going to lean on the people that are in your cohort. And right. they, one of the women said, you know, this is like my board of directors, you know, she's like my personal board of directors. And I think what Kat mentioned is, you know, she has multiple board of directors and um, there are different people that pop in and out, but really don't forget to lean on those people when you need encouragement, idea, a little bit of challenge, right. You know, and so those are the folks that are really going to continue to bring you forward, challenge you to do what you've always wanted to do and be your best. And I, I mean, just remind you of, don't forget to leverage your community and what that looks like for each individual. Yeah. It's it's so funny. You, 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 you talked about that. I, there was a Ted talk this morning that popped up. Um, Reshma Sajani, I probably butchered her name, but her name is Reshma Sajani. I just texted it to you her TED talk today was teach girls bravery, not perfection. 
Mm. And it's just, you know, I, I think it really hits home when we talk about teams, we talk about board of directors, we talk about giving women more power and helping them find their power and their strength and their, and even, even the young boys that I'm working with every day, you know, I've got kids that will look me in the eye and I'll tell them, go run through that wall and they'll go run through the wall. I, I want them to have some purpose. I want them to go, why am I running through that wall? You know, and, and that's, what's great about this Ted talk is she talks about a little boy will climb to the top of the monkey bars and jump off head first. I won't think about it, you know, cause somebody challenged them to, or they just wanted to see how it feels. And, and young girls won't always do that. You know, they go, that, that looks stupid. Why would I climb up and jump head first? We're thinking you know? through the consequence, <laughs> thinking through the consequence, you know, and, but the, you know, it's, it's a really great talk. And it was great for me as a, as a dad of a daughter to listen to. And, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. And anybody that's listening, definitely check it out. Um, Reshma Sajani, S-A-U-J-A-N-I on the TED Talks. It's, it's worth the time. So. Yeah. It reminds me of, I remember my sister um, was Gibson is my nephew and he was very adventurous and kind of like I was when I was a kid. I don't know if I thought through all the consequences because I think I broke a lot of yeah. bones in my body and stitches all over the place. But same thing. She's really trying to teach that where he was wants to jump from the back of his dad's pickup truck. And he's like, I'm going to jump. And she's like, okay, go, we can do that. But let's think about, I want you to give me five to seven possibilities of what could happen. And by the time he, she makes him walk through, he's like, fine, mom, just help me down. <laughs> he's yeah. like, this is boring now. You know? <laughs> it's not super fun. You just killed it. <laughs> you know, right. but I love that because you see that he's starting to eventually it's almost programming. And, and if you're good with all of those outcomes and varying forms, yeah. go for it, you know, and again, I think there's a level of not being afraid to take risk, but also understanding what, what that could look like and how you'll still be okay or not <laughs> after yeah. some of those choices. So I love it. I, I will, I will look into that Ted talk. Yeah. I think what it, it really is a great follow-up to what Kat just told us too. She, she loves her life and she's made a lot of mistakes and failed a lot, but she sees every, everything she's done as a, has gotten her to this point and she's enjoying the journey and just, again, great advice, great significance. So it was good. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners. We're, we've, we've gone over 2000 listens um, on Apple and Spotify as of today. So we're just so thankful that you're finding um, some value in what we're doing. And we hope you enjoyed Kat Margulis. Um, and, and you can find her at the passionprojectpod.com. If you're interested in writing or interested in writing a book or want to see, maybe you want to just get motivated to write, definitely check her out. Um, we'd love your feedback. Please send us an email. Let us know how we're doing, what you think, any advice. If there's anybody you think we need to be interviewing that would be great for the podcast, we'd love um, some referrals as well. You can email us at significant, the number four and the letter U, significant for you at gmail.com. You can follow us on Apple or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe. Um, we're doing our darndest to make sure you have a new podcast, uh, a new episode every Monday morning. Um, and that should continue throughout the summer. At some point, we'll take a little bit of a, a breather, but um, we've got great, great guests lined up um, all the way through the summer. Um, and with that, don't let life happen to you. Make it happen. 
We hope your week is filled with significance and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.